Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Certainly does, Archer Park Racing. Go to their website, archerparkracing.com.au. There are a host of yearlings there up for sale. You can take any amount of the share you want and read all about their background, their pedigree, who's going to train them, what they were, uh, what they went for at the sale. So Archer Park Racing, they're heading to the Sunshine Coast today with three runners. My co-host Ben Dorries, have you got any early thoughts on the meeting? <laughs> it's very good from you, David Fowler. I thought early thoughts would run quite well. I thought he was okay. Uh, there a few weeks ago, he's about five dollars fifty. I thought he was a very good each way hope. You're in a very good mood this morning for some peculiar reason. Well, well you're always in a good mood, but you're in a better than good mood. Well, Why is that? There's two reasons for that. One, we, uh, you and I, had a nice little hour last night, didn't we? Just chewing the fat. We don't really socialise that much, but we sat down and we had a couple of little champagnes and whatever, and uh, that was that was nice. That put me in a good mood, and um, I'm actually on holidays now for a couple of weeks. So that's that's the real that's reason. the real reason. But, uh, they call it, uh, they call it, they bill it the championships. And gee, didn't it really go to script yesterday? The champion sprinter, Nature Strip, won the the big sprint, the TJ Smith. And you've got to say that the Hitotsu in the Derby and Fireburn in the uh, in the sires will potentially be champions of their age, of their their two and three year old age. So they were successful as well. And of course, the, the Doncaster always considered. Uh, a raffle, a great handicap, 20 runners, wide betting. You often th- see a result throw up or come up, and it was the case with Mr. Bright. So, so uh, and a track that was heavy, but but uh, no rain during the day. Uh, we knew what we, we had to encounter with from the putting point of view, but it was a great day racing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, all the good horses won, didn't they? Mm. Most of them. Uh, Mr. Brightside, I guess, was a, was a bit of an upset, but had a. Um, if you liked I'm Thunderstruck, which a lot of people did, I think he went out at $6. Um, Mr. Brightside wasn't far off in Melbourne uh, last time those two horses uh, clashed in the race that Zaki won, and they had a huge, huge weight swing. So, you know, real fill-up for the for the Hayes boys. And David Hayes, um, sitting over there watching it in Hong Kong, wow, we, wouldn't, have, wouldn't he have been the proudest man in the world? Certainly would have been. And we'll try and put a call in to David to, to look at it from a different perspective, the, the win of Mr. Brightside. As you pointed out, Mr. Brightside beating I'm Thunderstruck. Uh, Victorian Cornella. Victorians win this race. So they're, they're few and far between these days, the Doncaster. But not only did they win, but they Cornella the race. So that's one of many highlights out of the first day of the championships at Royal Ramwick. We'll look back at racing at Eagle Farm yesterday. Of course, we're only one month away from our racing carnival. The same for our good folk in, in South Australia. They both kick off those carnivals at the end of the month, the last Saturday in April. And, of course, a good day of racing at Bendigo yesterday as well with a host of feature races. So plenty coming up. Thanks for your company over the next hour or so. Let's go to Royal Randwick. And hard to pick what was the highlight, but we'll go with the derby first up. And Hitotsu, he was going to 2,400 metres after the Guineas win at Flemington over the mile. He had to encounter a heavy nine track. But Putters really stuck solid with him. He ran the $3.30 favourite. Castle Ray Kid from Morris and Midad. Characters pulling out. Footlights getting a rails run from Zoom on. Then came War Returnal. Down the outside, Hitotsu and Benno both putting in big runs. They're wide out. And Benno moved up on the outside of Hitotsu. Through the centre is a leg run. It's a leg run uh, coming out on Benno. Between them, Hitotsu trying to lift. Hitotsu is lifting from Benno the outside. The grey Benno goes to Hitotsu. Hitotsu clings on and Hitotsu wins the derby. The 
first since Mahogany to do the double. Hitotsu just from Benno and Allegron, and they gap the rest. Big margin back to Zumana. Then Sea Treasures, Morris's Midad, Raging Baller, Castle Ray Kid, Regal Lion, War Eternal Clyde. A big gap back to Footlights from Forgot You. Azami can't go Wong. Character dropped out from White Noise, and Akahata was last. Yes, a Totsu prevailing, and as, as Darren Flindell outlined in the broadcast, the first horse to do the Victoria uh, Derby and, uh, and uh, ATC Derby double since Mahogany. It was a dramatic race in the straight because he loomed a win. He had Benno coming up on the outside, and then Allegro all of a sudden shifted out. It looked like he was going to be a real meat-in-the-sandwich type thing, but that might have actually given him, I think, actually Kieran Ma might have said that, or John Allen might have said that, that it gave him a bit of a spur on and. Then his, his, uh, he asserted his superiority. Yeah, Benno just looked a winner, didn't he, when he just loomed up. and um, But, yeah, Totsu was definitely up for a scrap. I don't know uh, who the bigger freak is, this horse or his trainers. Uh, they're both freaks, I think. Well, they're all freaks. I think they should share in the spoils, but let's look at it from the owner's point of view. He's always very kind with his time on this program, Ozzy Keir, and uh, another big win. Ozzy, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are we? Well, um, we were just saying before you came on air, it was a dramatic uh, last 200 metres with one coming in, one coming out, and you right there in the middle. Yes, well, to be honest, I didn't think we'd get up at that point and probably just even slightly before that. So it showed huge courage and um, grip by him, which we sort of we knew he had, and that was just evident. And I think a big credit to Johnny Allen for taking it as well. Um, I think... It was a great ride, and um, yeah, we, we it's sort of that, that. I think that bump did spur him on to just go that extra yard because he did look beaten a couple of hundred metres out, that's for sure. Aussie, the only question mark, I guess, going into this race for a lot of people, we all knew Adotsi was a star. I think I just described him as a freak, but just that heavy nine track. Um, you know, hadn't been on uh, a heavy track before. You, you sort of pre-race report from Kieran Maher and Dave Eustace. Did they give you a, a, a confident indication he would he would you know thrive and handle this track or, or, or not? Uh, look, personally, I had my doubts um, after the Australian Guineas win because that was only a soft six from memory. And speaking to John Allen, he didn't think he loved the ground then. Um, so when, when we were getting the heavy ground, oh, I, I for one didn't think he'd handle it. And to be honest, I actually don't think he handled it. From speaking to John last night, um, he just thought uh, he's much better on top of the ground, and really just just got there in the end, just because you know his, his raw ability and um, just his grit to win. And I think that was the sort of thinking behind running in the race, because it was sort of well, umming and ahhing for a long time if we got a heavy ground. But I think at the end of the day, Kevin and Dave made the decision to continue um, and run in that race just purely based on just his ability to, to get him into the race a long way. And um, hopefully he's, if, he, if he only handles it at 70%, he might be good enough to win, which ended up being the case. So, yeah. Ozzy, he will be crowned the, the champion three-year-old with the, being a dual derby winner. Um, we were just, dis- again, discussing before you came on air how good a Totsu is, but the, these trainers, Kieran Maher and David Eustace, how good are they? Uh, and I think I, I read it in a report this morning that it's almost scientific the way they handle these horses, particularly these really good ones, and they've got all the data on Totsu. I think that was the quote. They they know what he can do, what he can't do, and... and, and uh, uh, they make the calls, but by gee, they're, 
they're, they're bold calls, but they keep coming off with this horse. Yeah, look, to be fair, like I think a lot of trainers do have the data and do have all the information, and, and, and that's big. That's what, what they do, and you expect that from all the good trainers. And, um, that, but I think these, these guys are very detailed in what they do. Um, they do back their judgment. They don't second-guess themselves. Um, and most importantly, they've, they've, got the, they've got the stock to, to be able to, um, to produce those results, you know. You've got to still have that horse flesh. I mean, Itotsu, you know, oh, we just think he's, he's just got so much ability and, and now we know he's got so much determination and, and grit to win. And those two factors can go a very, very long way, um, you know, in a, in a horse sort of achieving what it's achieved. And you put a good trainer... And someone that takes, you know, big emphasis on data and everything, it, 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 it does give you the best results you can possibly get as an owner. And we're very grateful for that. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but he's uh, now the equal favourite, believe it or not, for the Melbourne Cup with another horse that you're uh, quite familiar with, Incentivise. Um, I guess the Cox Plate is um, is the bucket list item, though, isn't it? He, he's just going to be put away in, in cotton wool now and... Um, the Cox Plate sounds like the race, um, according to, to Kieran yesterday, and, and I guess who knows if he could if he could run in a Melbourne Cup, uh, that'd be a bonus. Yeah, look, in speaking to Dave a few times, uh, Dave Hughes, he actually kept saying, "This horse will be your Melbourne Cup horse." He knows how much I love racing in the Melbourne Cup, and um, and I do think I do think he'll end up being a horse that could run, you know. And he's done it before. He, he, you know, win over a mile, and win over two thousand metres at, at the elite level, and potentially, and be able to stay and potentially run out two mile. Whether he could win it or not, that's a different question. But I, I do, I do think he's going to be elite at that sort of two thousand metre um, plus range, um, just because of his aerobic fitness. And as he gets stronger and and more sort of settled, then you know, who knows? But yeah, look, they've always. They've had big opinions of him from day dot, and I just think that opinion gets bigger and bigger, and um, we're very grateful for what he's actually given us so far to date, and hopefully there's more to come. Do you, I'm just actually looking at the Melbourne Cup market now, Ozzy. Do you, do you sometimes just sort of sit back and pinch yourself in racing? Like, there's th- actually three equal favourites. Hitotsu at $11, Incentivise at $11, and Very Elegant at $11. Now, you've, you've got shares in all of those. You've got the three Melbourne Cup favourites. I know we're a long way out. Uh, you know, it would be the dream of most owners just to have something running around in a Melbourne Cup at 300 to 1, let alone have the three favourites, and they may all not get there. But it's it's a sort of pinch-yourself moment, isn't it, really? It is. Um, it, it is. But I've been around long enough now to know that um, having a favourite Melbourne Cup this far out and, and these races doesn't necessarily mean um, that much when you're a week out of the race or two weeks out of the race. Um, that's when you want to have the favourite. Um, but, look... I'm very grateful and very humble to be in that position and there's some really good people around us that have helped us get there and um, it's obviously not a one-man band. There's a good bunch of owners involved in all these horses, different owners, but mostly sort of friends and um, associates and just good people that, you know, the, all, all those three horses have three separate trainers, which is, you know, you've got Chris Waller, um, you've got Peter Moody and you've got Karen Ma. So um, that whole journey is the best thing about racing is you get to meet all these people and build relationships with all these different people. So, yeah, it is, it is a very humbling and satisfying excuse at the moment. Well, the Hitotsu chapter closes for the autumn, so we look forward to him in the spring. But I want to ask you about another horse, uh, Yonsei, unbeaten, 
Will she run in the Queen of the Turf next Saturday? Oh, if I've got anything to do with it, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I, I hope so. Um, look, she's been up for a long time now. Um, I think... I remember being on holidays, uh, which was, I think, early January. I think she's been running since December or January mm. um, without a break. But her last gallop, her last piece of work was phenomenal and the stable actually rang me and said that was the best piece of work um, they've seen her do. So at this stage, we'll 100% go towards the Queen of the Turf and, um, and see if she can go seven in a row. Most importantly, um, that's her first stakes win. Happy to be group one. So, yeah, no, we, we're all very, very excited about her and where she can go. And we don't really know what her limit is. And I don't think the stable does either because she's never really been tested um, to really find out what she's got. So um, I'm sure she will be in her next start. And, yeah, it'll be very exciting to see what happens there. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a hell of a journey and um, very grateful and really enjoying it. Although I had to get up very early this morning because we've got kids' sports, so I'm watching my son run around kicking a footy. So. Good to hear. And then you're spot on. She, she won her, her maid at Mornington in mid-December and she hasn't been beaten since, so six from six. And the good thing is, before we let you go, that... Yeah. The weather surely will be a bit better next week in Sydney, so that track's going to be improving all the time too. I've never followed the weather so much, <laughs> Sydney weather so much in my life. My wife is a bit to it, so I'm literally looking every hour just watching that weather. But, yeah, I think there's a fair bit of rain forecast towards the end of the week. Hopefully we can stay away. And um, But, yeah, looking forward to it, and um, we'll see how we go. We'll have a big group going there next week. We've got all the wives and friends, so... That's sort of part of it all and um, looking forward to going and hopefully enjoying us celebrating a win. Good on you, mate. I've always appreciate your time and congratulations. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Ozzy Keir, one of the part owners of Atotsu, who takes the Victoria Derby, Australian Derby double yesterday. Yeah, and I've got to say, um, we thank a lot of people for giving up their time to go on this show, but Ozzy always provides us uh, with great insights, doesn't he? And uh, when I... Um, Asked him to uh, come on the show earlier this morning. He said, "No problems." He said, "I'll be watching my watching my boy playing soccer, and you know that's uh, that's lovely. Uh, just standing standing by the sideline, talking to us while watching his watching his lad play soccer. So good on him. And um, you know what? Uh, it's we do have a bit of a tall poppy syndrome in Australia, don't we? It's easy to to bag sort of big time owners, big time trainers, and whatever in in racing. But let's not forget they invest a hell of a lot of money. And uh, I think Aussie's one of the nicest blokes in um, in racing. So I." Uh, you know, I think he deserves every success. It's good to see too, because so often we see three-year-olds say win a derby, uh, particularly a Victoria derby, which is early in the season. And even though it's run over 2,500 metres, people say, well, you know, it's very early season. And they don't often go on. But this is one horse, this is one three-year-old that I'm sure will be making a claim come Cox Plate time and Melbourne Cup time. So it's good to see for, for the, on the local front that we've got a good staying three-year-old, a potential champion three-year-old. Well, absolutely. And uh, Cox Plate betting, wow, it could be a ripper race, couldn't it? I mean, I know we're a long way out, but Animo and Zaki, the $7 favourites, Atotsu at $8, incentivised at $8. I mean, and then the list goes on. But, I mean, even if those four line up, uh, wow, we, it'll be some sort of Cox Plate. Well, second and third deserve honourable mentions there, Benno and Allegron, because they did beat the rest of them by nine lengths. It was nine lengths to the fourth horse, and they came in at long intervals on that heavy track. So whether we see any of those up here for our derby or across in SA remains to be seen. But Hitotsu, he's going for a well-earned break. Job done, chapter closed, and the aim is the Cox Plate and potentially the Melbourne Cup. 
Let's go to the Doncaster, the star Doncaster. As we said at the top of the show, 20 runners, wide betting. And in the end, well, when I say wide betting, not quite wide betting, because Forbidden Love was a fairly fairly clear favourite, $3.20, the mayor. Here's the replay. And it's Ellsberg being eyeballed by the mare Forbidden Love and the favourite strides up big big time on the outside. Then came Converge from Just Folk Dallas and I'm Thunderstruck is coming into the race as Forbidden Love races to the lead. At the 300, Forbidden Love a length clear. I'm Thunderstruck's the big danger. It's Forbidden Love three quarters to I'm Thunderstruck. Working into the clear, Mr Brightside from Ice Bar. Forbidden Love under siege. Mr Brightside charged up. Mr Brightside takes the lead. Ice Bath runs on. Mr. Brightside for the Hayes boys wins it. I'm Thunderstruck second, Ice Bar third, then Forbidden Love, followed by Banker's Choice, Dallas Sand, Ellsberg, Cascadian Late, followed by Lighthouse, Brutality, King Magnus, Laws of Indices, Inspirational Girl, New Mary, and then Sky Lab. Further back to Keku, Converge, a gap back to Private Eye, and Kiss on All Four Cheeks. One of another uh, extraordinary story out of the championships, a horse who who only won its maiden in July of last year as a Group 1 winner, April of 2022. And, of course, Mr Brightness, trained by Ben and J.D. Hayes, brothers in training partnership. There's one thing about the Hayes dynasty. It's always been underlined by family. And another family moment, a very special one, and the man who, who can talk about that uh, is David Hayes, of course, the dad of Ben and J.D. And he's joining us from Hong Kong, and we're very pleased that he can join us this morning. David, good morning. Good morning. Uh, nice to be on the show. Yeah, and thank you for joining us. And, and I, I'm sure I'm right, and I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't disagree, that family is so important in the Hayes family. And that's a, another great moment, another great chapter yesterday. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, I remember in my early days, Dad saying when Better Loosen Up won the Cox Plate and the Japan Cup, he couldn't think of a bigger thrill he had by watching um, those those horses win. Uh, under my care and and him handing over the reins, he got more pleasure out of it. And I have to say, Prue and I were watching up here in Hong Kong. I know it was their first group one, but probably gave me as big a thrill as I've had in racing. Um, with all the things that we've done over the years, we couldn't think of a more happier moment. So uh, it was truly great. And, and David, it's not as though Ben and JD sort of got everything served up to them on a plate or a silver platter, is it? They they had to sort of do it the hard way. There was a, there was a few owners left. Obviously, you left. Um, you know, to go to Hong Kong. Tom Dabding left. So it, it's not like they've it's sort of been handed to them. They really had to fight and, and scrap their, their 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 sort of way through, haven't they? And and haven't they done brilliantly? Yeah, yeah. The other big factor that people forget is Sheikh Hamdan died. So they had Sheikh Hamdan die. I went to Hong Kong. Uh, Tom Dabernick left with some key staff and some good horses um, and uh, uh, me in Hong Kong. So, you know, it, it really was a... The stable is probably a third of the size that it was in its heyday. Um, but I think that's a good thing. They're starting from a, a, a low base. They're working hard. They've built their own team of staff around them. They're developing horses really well with... You might have noticed they've had a lot of horses win four and five in a row in a preparation. So they're developing their horses through. And those horses they've been placing conservatively will probably be running in the better races uh, next spring. So I think they're on an upward spiral. And, David, just on that with Mr Brightside, they, they, and you've been quoted on this, they hatched a plan 
to keep him in as light as possible for the Doncaster. Such an important thing in a big handicap. And, well, gee, they executed the plan extremely well. In fact, 100%. Yeah, they avoided temptation. He, he, you know, he won six in a row and was, you know, you know, could have easily run in better races. But they really thought the Doncaster was the richest handicap you could run in at a mile in Australia. And they had the right article to do it. And so they really, um, they went to the all-star mile with the money, but it wasn't going to really affect his handicap. So, um yeah, it was, it was terrific for them. Um, a, a good plan, and, and it was good to see it come off. And now the horse might even head your way, run fresh into the um, into the strap boat because the handicapper hasn't quite caught him yet. Could he end up in uh, Hong Kong potentially as well in the, the international sort of race day later in the year? Yeah, window? I think so. Um, uh, definitely, um, you know, people said it's amazing. I didn't uh, grab the horse right here, but <laughs> they needed the horse. That, that Lindsay Park needed a good horse down there, and and uh, there's he, he's got plenty of time to come up here for them in the international. So he's qualified for an international race now. So um, they probably will travel him, but they'll 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 have a crack in in, in the spring at the Wait for Age races after the Stradbroke, I think. What was it like over there for you, David? Like you obviously hold up. It's it's pretty strict. The the COVID protocols, uh, you know, just in society over there. But but the race, the, you know, you know the, the jockey club protocols as well. I'd imagine you, you you hold up a lot of the time over there. But but just sort of like, were, you, were you sitting there screaming at the TV? Like what what were your emotions? Yeah. And you must have probably lost hope, I suppose, at one point in the race as well. Yeah, well, it was funny. Um, uh, one back to the COVID. Hong Kong's probably the western city in the world that's the most seriously locked down. And then Jockey Club Protocol have got us even even more locked down. We can't even go and buy a litre of milk. We have to get all our food delivered and we're in lockdown. So it's been a bit of a long haul for us up here. Everyone's finding it a bit tedious. We can't mix with fellow jockeys or trainers. And um, it, it's just Prue and I in the house. And we were just watching it on the uh, on the TV but our TV's about 30 seconds behind live. And at the 300, if you watch the replay, it looked like um, I'm thunderstruck, had him cold, and the, and the favourite was travelling well. I said to Pro, I think we're in a bit of strife here. And then the phone started beeping like <laughs> 20 messages. And I said, he's either collapsed or he's going to win. <laughs> and then going through the 100, I said, he's going to win. <laughs> so, so he really picked himself up off the canvas and... He reminds me so much of a young better loosen up who, who who sort of raced in the same colours, was a plain, unfashionably bred horse that just had a habit of hitting the line all the time like this horse. Uh, you mentioned the colours there. I was going to bring that up. It's um, It wouldn't be lost on many of our listeners, particularly our older listeners. We remember the, the, the foundation colours of Tommy Smith, the, the green and blue stripes with Bart the Golden... Uh, golden green, the green diagonal stripes, and these foundation colours, the white, green sash, black sleeves, black cap. How appropriate those colours come to the fore in this race yesterday? Yeah, they they, they, uh, they popped up for their first group one and uh, they popped up for my first group one, which was better loosened up in the Cox Plate. So, um, uh, you know, they've been very significant. Of course, Dad trained thousands of winners in those colours. So... Um, uh, we, we're using them more and more. We, 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 we feel very comfortable, and for some reason, I find them very easy to see. Mm. 
And t- tell us, David, about the the first contact you had with with your boys after the win. Did you get them both on on speaker uh, speakerphone, FaceTime, and it must have been an emotional time. I, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah well, uh, interesting. Uh, ben was wildly excited. He's a little bit more seasoned because he's he's actually trained Group One winners with me before. Um, where JD, it was his absolute first, and JD said he was brave and. Fantastic and held it all together, but when he rang his mum and dad in a quiet corner, uh, he got quite emotional. Exactly right. Look, uh, appreciate your time this morning. This is another great chapter in the Hayes dynasty, but of course, we're always looking for a tip, David. Now, <laughs> at the races today, can Super Wealthy win race seven? Uh, look, it's the hottest sprint in Hong Kong, so this is the, the uh, final lead up to the Champions Day. And I think he's a terrific chance. Uh, he's each way odds uh, and and should run well. That's race seven, number four. As I said at the outset, uh, really appreciate you joining us this morning, getting your perspective from a, from a dad's point of view. But uh, a great win. And uh, we look forward to seeing this horse in the strap break. That's some good news for us as well. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Cheers. David Hayes joining us from Hong Kong. Yeah, and he's right with Mr Brightside. The handicapper won't have quite caught up with him. And um, 1,400 metres fresh, uh, he can run really well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, that's a bit of breaking news for our show, isn't it? And um, another terrific guest. Great to get David Hayes uh, from Hong Kong. And look, that um, I know a few people in Hong Kong, that uh, bubble they are in there with the COVID protocols, it is, uh, you know, draconian, really. Um, you know, the, the society and then the jockey club protocol, as David said, they can't even, you know, poked their nose out the front door, really. So, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> what was I going to say? I, I can't say. Uh, but, um, but just, I, I mean, I suppose that just amplifies the thrill, doesn't it, when you, yeah. you can't even leave your house, really, uh, apart from, you know, sort of strict work purposes, to just be sitting at home with your, you know, your, your wife in another country a million miles away and watch your boys yeah. do that. And, and there are so many facets to this win from, from David and Prue's point of view, apart from the fact, well, first and foremost... Their sons winning, uh, you know, proud of their sons. Uh, the fact that a, another great race goes into the the Hayes history, the the Doncaster. But I think also too, and you did touch on it, vindication. The fact that there were so many out there saying, "Well, this won't, this won't last. This will fall over." And for them to win that race, that's a big moment of vindication, not only for them, the boys, but also for their parents. Well, I must admit there was a bit of a... Uh, like, I worked down in Victoria for a few years and David Hayes' move to Hong Kong was in the pipeline for a while. And there was a bit of a... I wouldn't call it a whispering campaign, but there, but there was a lot of talk. Uh, well, you know, Tom's left, David's left, the boys are on their own. Uh, you know, JD, uh, great fella, very intelligent, uh, knows, knows his horses, but unproven, really. And, and Ben... You know, relatively new as well. Would they be able to do it? A lot of owners left um, for one reason or another. Um, you know, Lindsay Lindsay Park. If you've got a horse with Lindsay Park, they're not uh, cheap. You know, like they 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 charge a premium as they should. They're Lindsay Park. They've you know w- what a great dynasty. But all of a sudden, with the two boys left there, there was a real sort of talk that you know is this going to even collapse? You know, like it, it got to that point. So. Uh, to, to, to fight past that in, in sort of only about a year and, and get to the point where they've won their first Group 1, vindication is the word, David, and I'd imagine uh, this would do a lot for them in terms of getting new owners and, and you know, whatever as well. Because I think David mentioned, I think he said that the stable was roughly a third of the size that it was at its heyday. So. I'm Thunderstruck was brave in second. He was set for this race and he gave it his all. Uh, Mr Brightside, though, of course, with... 
a lot less weight was able to to edge him out. Ice Bath always good, particularly on rain affected tracks, and she rarely runs a bad race. And Forbidden Love, the favourite, ran fourth. I think fair to say, and I think Jamie Carr echoed this as well that. A strong mile, a tough mile, just finds her out, which was probably the case yesterday. Yeah, there's something about this banker's choice, isn't there? I think it's a horse you like, this Mike mm. Moroni uh, gelding. Ran six, um, only less than three lengths off the winner. I think he's got a nice, I'm not sure where it'll be, but he's got a nice race in him somewhere, banker's choice. And my trainers, McDonald and Lewis, Dallas and ran fifth. Come on, boys, bring him up for the strap break. <laughs> Your horse it. or Dallas Ann? No, no, well, no, not my horse. I wish it was, but... My trainers, but I mean, Dallas Ann loves the way of the Sydney and Brisbane way of going. He goes so well at it, and uh, and fresh into the Stradbroke, fourteen hundred metres. Come on, Leon, do so, it something. Do it for do it for everyone. Let's go to more highlights. There were plenty of them yesterday. We haven't finished yet. Let's go to the size and the Golden Slipper winner, Fireburn. Could she make it the Slipper size uh, double? Uh, she was the favourite, but they did gamble with her late. Two dollars fifty was the price. Dormier leads around the corner from She's Extreme. Two lengths to Man in the Mirror. Then came Magic Fireburn improving along the rails. And deeper out, Brosnan and Show Quarter. She's Extreme moved up now. Took the lead away from Dormier. Three lengths to Fireburn. It's She's Extreme during two lengths clear. Fireburn, she's looking to defy history. She's giving chase the slipper winner. And Fireburn went past She's Extreme. She's a very exciting filly. Fireburn by two. Two lengths to She's Extreme. Let's roll the dice a distant third. Then Dormier. Count the headlights, Charlatan. Further back to Brosnan. A, a gap back to Wealthy Investor. Warby Magic Show Court. And man in the mirror. There's five in a row for the star filly. We spoke to the trainer, Gary Portelli, after she won the slipper. He said it was all systems go to the size. Uh, she'd done everything right. And she did everything right yesterday. Her class came to the fore again. And the man who steered her in the slipper... And steady yesterday is our next guest, Brendan of Dunner. Brendan, good morning. Morning, boys. Congratulations on yesterday. This has been great for you. This horse Fireburn uh, returning from injury. I see you were quoted in the in in the press saying that she doesn't give you a great feel early. She just likes to find her feet and get about her business. But there must be a, a one point of the race where she just turns on or clicks on. Yeah, thanks, boys. Yeah, she's uh, pretty special, but. Yeah, now having a couple of rides on her race day, she um, she's a very calm sort of customer when she's sort of in the gates and jumps, and she jumps cleanly, and she basically just puts herself on cruise control for the first half and um, just conserves her energy. And yesterday, I sort of had to give her a little bit of a niggle about the 700 just to see where she was at. And uh, as soon as I gave her that little niggle, you can just feel it build up underneath you, and she just gives you plenty of confidence and. When I cornered and Tommy was about five, six in front of me, I just knew he wasn't far enough in front of me and she was always going to pick him up. Hey, Brenton, I, I must admit, I, I love a bit of colour and movement in sport and, and you know, something a bit different. I loved your, your, your little gesture as you sort of <laughs> moved past Tori, Tommy. Um, was that sort of, uh, was that in your mind, uh, I suppose, leading into the race? Obviously, that was to do with Anthony Cummings, you know, suggesting that she's extreme, given even luck, would have would have gone close to troubling you in the, in the slipper. And, and was that sort of preconceived, that little wave, or did it was just the spur of the moment thing? No, no, I'd never go out preconceived like that. Um, look, I was obviously aware with what Anthony said, and I completely disagreed. I love Anthony. He's, um, I was apprenticed to him, and he's a great fellow and a great trainer, but I just didn't agree with him whatsoever there. And um, when I seen She's Extreme, yeah, like I said, idle enough, it was just a spur of the moment and nothing disrespectful, just a bit of tongue-in-cheek. But uh, look, at, I just uh, I just think it, all the talk should be about the Phillies' performance and, and what she's done. You know, she's... Uh, 
Gary's prepped her great. His stable's done a great job, and she's won two legs of the Triple Crown, and she can make a bit more history there in a couple of weeks if she pulls up sound. Yeah, Burst did it in 1992 for Clary Cotters, won the Triple Crown, but I think Anthony Cummings said after the race yesterday he'd like to meet Fireburn again, but he did concede he's got to fight a length and a half, and, of course, we're going to the mile of the champagne. What about yesterday as well? You made this point too that she was very strong to the line. She was dominant, but she was probably on the worst part of the track as well. Yeah, well, I walked the track before the first. And I just thought you wanted to be sort of out probably lane, you know, lane five to ten was probably the peak and she hasn't taken the ground inside. Off Probably wasn't a fast gallop. Um, but I just feel she's a filly that once she gets there to the, you know, the leader, she sort of switches off and uh, in the slippers, she got past the uh, the leaders pretty quickly and, and idled to the line, and I felt she did it again yesterday, that, you know, there was still more in storage if she had something further ahead of her. So, um, again, it was quite soft yesterday. I didn't, didn't grill her to the line, so I still think, you know, getting to the mile, if she pulled up right, um, she'll be better suited. Britton, I loved a, a, a TV interview you did. It might have been with Channel 7 or, or Sky, I'm not quite sure, but when you returned to the saddle, I think it might have been after your first winner or um, something, you just spoke with a lot of emotion about, you know, that time out of the saddle following that shocking fall last year. Um, you know, it really made you think about things and, and really appreciate racing, I guess. And and, and I think you may have said, I, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but... You know, towards the end, you, you were, it became a bit of a grind um, and you were sort of turning up and not going through the motions, but that time out of the saddle just reinvigorated you and just, just you know, made you fall in love with the sport again almost. Yeah, well, look, I sort of was, I was out of school at 15 and sort of racing's been my entire life. So, um, yeah, when you're in that sort of bubble from, from a young age and it, it just can be so demanding, you know, um, with what we do, whether, you know, with weight loss and dieting and, you know, early mornings, lack of sleep, <laughs> now kids, um, just everything just gets so demanding. And we don't really, we don't have an off-season, you know. You, you could literally go to every, you know, you can be Sydney now, you know, Queensland, you know, in winter. Uh, the next thing, it's Sydney, it's Melbourne, you can go to Perth, you know, then you got overseas. It's just so demanding and we haven't got a break, basically. And um, you just got to make your own time off and it's hard to take time off because you don't want to let your owners and trainers down, so... Um, yeah, I've never really had that long off before. I think the most I did was six weeks when I did Europe and, and Japan. Uh, but even that was a bit like a working holiday. But, uh, yeah, having that enforced injury probably gave me that, you know, that, that six months off. But um, if it didn't happen through injury, whether I took it off on my own accord, I don't know. I was, I was thinking about it. But, um, yeah, just to forget about racing for, for six months and, and spend time with the family and go out and about and eat and drink as much as you want, uh, definitely... Definitely put a bit more life into me, and um, I felt the you know the fire start to burn a bit in the belly sort of when I first started to come back, and I felt like that little kid going to the races for the first time. And the other thing too, I've mentioned this on the show before that your your livelihood, uh, being a jockey, a professional sportsman, your life revolves around twenty four seven competition. There's there's lots of people who work in life who don't have to compete; they work as a group or they just do their job. But your job is competition day in, day out. Yeah, and big days like yesterday too. There's plenty of, uh, you, you know, you can you can pull up pretty tired after a day. Of day just with so much, you know, pressure and emotion and all that. You know, some days can be a bit hard to get out of bed. But when you're going home with a Group 1 winner and you have your family on track and um, all the hard work pays off, uh, that's what it's all about. I'll just pose one more question to you about Fireburn. You've had the steer on her twice, so... 1,200 the slipper, 1,400 yesterday and then to the mile of the champagne. Um, 
does she give you the impression that when she comes back for her next chapter of racing, which will be as, as a three-year-old, do you think she will develop into a, an Oaks-type filly or will she be uh, the 1,400-to-mile type? What do you think? Um, I'm not sure. Look, to me, she feels like she's just a, you know, she's a, just a good, genuine miler. Um, but, yeah, I suppose, you know, it would be how, how she develops over her break, you know, from two to three. But there's no reason why she can't develop into a filly that gets over further. Uh, the only thing I will say is she's just got a, a, a great turn of speed. And sometimes those fillies with a great turn of speed, it might just pull them up a little bit in distance. But, um, you know, Gary's handled her well. She's just kept improving. Um, so like I said, we'll get hopefully we get over two weeks in, in good order, and um, Gary can reassess his plans with her. That um, one one asset she's got, she, you know, she loves these these wet conditions, and she's only had the one one try on a good track, and she beat Revolutionary Miss, all beat the midweek, but it sort of did frank the form then going to the Blue Diamond. So uh, I'm not too worried just to say that she's a wet tracker. Um, she's just I think a pretty special filly, and hopefully she can keep going. Yeah, and certainly a moment in history beckons. In two weeks' time, what about next Saturday, day two of the championships? What lines up for you there? Uh, I'll have a couple rides for for Chris. Um, you know, I'll probably ride Hinge in the Oaks. I might have one of his in the in the other mare's race. Um, so nothing. Uh, look, there's a few there. I haven't really spoken to my manager about it. We just got over <laughs> yesterday first, but sure. um, I'll have another couple of life chances and some big races coming up over the next couple of weeks, and uh, hopefully we can make uh, get, get a couple add a couple more to the tally. Great to see you back and great to see you informed. Thanks for today. Thanks for having me, boys. Brett Navdala, the rider of Fireburn, who uh, will be the champion two-year-old. And really, one would think only bad luck will stop her uh, um, securing the Triple Crown in the two weeks' time. Isn't it funny? It wasn't that long ago we were saying, uh, gee whiz, these two-year-olds, they're a pretty even bunch. Nothing really stands out on stalks. Not really that excited about many of them. And she's just uh, put a woof up. And just gone. What about me? You know, like that slipper win was electric. That win yesterday was was absolutely superb, wasn't it? So, um, and it's interesting. Uh, Gary Portelli's got a, another two year old, Sajardin, in his back pocket, mm. who obviously couldn't race yesterday. Who he thinks is just as good, if not better. So, uh, the Portelli stables going to have some fun in the coming months and uh, years. We're profiling a wonderful day of racing at Royal Randwick yesterday, day one of the championships. Of course, past the post. Brought to you by archerparkracing.com.au. Let's go to the, the TJ Smith. We've been talking about champions of their age, Hitotsu and Fireburn. This is an established champion. His name is Nature Strip, and he was the $2.30 favourite to win his third TJ Smith. Head of the straight though, Nature Strip extends his lead on Eduardo. Two and a half between them and they're well clear from the rest. Nature Strip at the 250, two links in front. The eight-year-old Eduardo's trying his heart out, but Nature Strip wants his piece of history today and he's got it. Here's a TJ treble for the Sprint King. Nature Strip goes on to beat Eduardo. Palele third and wide up Bellucci Bay running fourth just in front of overpass. Then Zatori from Shelby, 66. Again back to rule of law mass crusader rock and horse and count the rupee was last in he's done it he's done it all right as chautauqua did uh, a triple tj smith winner so was nature strip he's earned more money than any horse uh, in australian history bar winks and rod lines his own apart owner joins us this morning rod another big day congratulations thank you very much and that was a huge day and uh paying the penalty this morning, but uh, it was a <laughs> wonderful thrill. And this was the nature strip we love to see 
just doing his own thing, that, that consistent speed every furlong, just rolling well within himself and almost, almost certainly dominating his rivals, but almost bullying his rivals. And he never looked like losing yesterday. No, he didn't like, you know, you don't like to go to the early crow, but I thought at the 800 metre mark, he was, he was travelling so well. And at the 600 metre mark, I got even more confident. And, uh, you know, as I say, you don't want to go to the early crow, but I thought he had the race one a long, long way from home. And as you say, when he gets to that, that, that speed, his natural, his natural speed, it's just unbelievable. He just, you know, he's just too quick for him. Uh, Rod, I had a sneaky little whisper, and I don't know what you can say about this, but something came across my desk the other day, and I don't suppose this would be the shock of the century to anyone, but that uh, a deal may have already been done with the, the Chris Waller racing slot for him to run uh, in the Everest um, again, which obviously he will be in the Everest. Um, can you tell us anything about that? Uh, nothing finalised yet, Ben, but w- we would like to go um, with Chris again because it just makes makes sense. And we have had a couple of little preliminary uh, discussions, but nothing has been t- finalised yet. Oh, my the, friend, I've got the wrong mail again. That's typical, mate. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're, you're on the button, but nothing, nothing's been finalised. But we, we'd hope we'd hope to finalise something in the next couple of days. It's an amazing story, isn't it? Because here's a horse rising eight years of age, uh, still in the prime of his life, the peak of his career, and you win a Group One yesterday, his third of the, of that race, the TJ Smith. But now you look towards England, you look towards the Everest. What a great year you've got ahead of you. It's absolutely fantastic. It's what everybody dreams about. Um, you get in the racing, hopefully to win a race. Your mate's at the bush somewhere or lucky enough to win a midweek or a Saturday meeting. But to get a horse like this, it's just, it is what dreams are made of. And it is fantastic with a great a great future in front of him because he's likely race. He's only really had 37 mm. starts. And, and Chris manages him so well, he's... You know, he just earmarks his campaigns, earmarks what race he wants him to peak for, and just produces him on that day in, in the peak of fitness. Last one, Rod. Were you surprised um, that Eduardo didn't sort of eyeball you? I think a lot of people were, were thinking, you know, these these two these two great horses are going to go to war again. And um, but Nashville Wheeler obviously just elected to take a seat, and it appeared to me that when he did that um, and just let you sort of have the uncontested lead, he, Nature Trip was always going to be pretty tough to. to well, run past yes and no Ben because I, I think that you know I think that it's well documented that Eduardo struggles to run a really really strong 1200 metres at the top grade like he, he can he can drop down a grade or two and, and win it but um, when he's right up against against the creme de la creme he, he tends to struggle so I think Nash I mean that's got the perfect trail really he was in he was in, in nature strip slipstream but the fact of the matter is he, he, he was just doing it so easily and I think if he had to take a nature strip up, they both might have both might have punctured. So I, I think even if if you reverse the jockeys in the horses, I would say that J Mac probably would have taken the sit on on him. You know, I think that uh, you bring it, you bring each other up undone if you do if you do take each other on. So um, no, I think I, I, I wasn't really that surprised. And as a matter of fact, I I was a little bit worried for a, for a while there, thinking, well, he's going to get right on the back of us and. Uh, He's such a bulldog, Eduardo, that uh, could be another battle to the finish. So I was quite happy when he when he put that gap on him when they straightened. Yeah, and you're 100% right because he, he followed him directly to the turn and then he thought to go to the inside and the outside. This is Rewilla, of course, but then you just moved away, controlled the race, owned the race from start to finish, and that margin was, was three and a half lengths. Great year coming up. Thanks for being part of the show this morning, Rod. My, my pleasure, gents. 
Rod Lyon, one of the part owners of Nature Strip, in uh, win 20 yesterday. Um, he's not only Australia's champion sprinter, he's the world's champion sprinter. Yep, and that, uh, I think he's long shaken off that enigmatic tag or whatever we used to call him. Just a little bit of wash up from that race. Shelby 66 uh, pulled up three out of five lame in the off foreleg. So, um, you know, an excuse run to, to some extent there. Uh, Mask Crusader. Um, phew, is now going to be spelled. Uh, must have got some of my hard-earned yesterday. Was very, very, very disappointing. I thought um, mm. perhaps the heavy track, uh, you know, that was going to be a question mark. Although he had some heavy form, um, but just was a long way off his best. That so. was the worst run of his career. One hundred percent. He was beaten officially eleven and a quarter lengths and lost ground. He just hasn't hasn't come up this campaign, which can happen. So he goes for a break. I'll be interested to see what. Joe Pride does with Eduardo. Could he come and defend the, the 10,000 crowd in May? Yeah, potentially. Um, it was only I, his third run in yesterday. Yeah, I think he I think he was quoted as saying recently he's, he's sort of 50-50, so we'll have to wait and see how he pulls up. I know Danny Williams uh, was mentioning Shelby 66 as a potential, you know, a couple of potential races in the Queensland winter, but we'll just have to monitor that horse's recovery as well. Let's take a short break. We'll come back and look at some of the highlights. Or yes, look at some of the highlights from Eagle Farm yesterday. The Post on Radio Tab. Yes, Past the Post, brought to you by archerparkracing.com.au, taking racing ownership to the next level, and they've got three runners in there at the Sunshine Coast today. Spearheaded by early thoughts. Good luck, <laughs> Benjamin. Now, Eagle Farm yesterday, we raced on a good fortnight event card. Of course, we're getting closer week by week to our carnival. It begins on April 30. But let's go to one of the feature races yesterday. This was the three-year-old quality. And in the end, Zuma California was the favourite, but he was a wobbly one, went out to 390. Enterprise Pombolina still going well. Devastating on the outside is trying hard. Mashani Sniper's coming through the pack. And here on the inside was Zava Boom. But the leader is Enterprise Pom. They haven't got Pom as yet. Enterprise Pom in front. Zava Boom trying hard. Enterprise Pom beat home Zava Boom. Release the beans. Then came devastating Mashani Sniper. Hamlet Von Stitzel. Zuma California. Well back in the field with Rage and Gemelon Bolt. And Single Desire last home. Enterprise Pom, this was a case of bouncing back, turning it around after nothing went right at the Gold Coast two weeks ago. Matt Hoy said in training partnership with Steve O'Day, joins us on the line now. Matt, good morning. Morning, David. Congratulations. And uh, Boris thought it went out there with a plan uh, uh, to, to ride with purpose early. He did that. He got where he wanted to be. And he didn't slouch. He didn't slack it off. They, they ran at a good tempo. So this filly's win was full of merit. Yeah, well and truly, look, um, yeah, that was always going to be a plus having, you know, it was through no real fault of Ben's the other day, you know, it was obviously a high pressure race in the duel and once you step a touch slow, but Boris obviously has, you know, done trials on this, this filly and, and also, you know, riding her in the first start to the stable and, you know, knew she's got that real early toe, even if she steps away, you know, just sort of moderately that she can really sort of um, gather momentum pretty quickly and, and be able to go to the front and, Look, that's her main asset, this filly. She's got really high cruising speed but can still sort of quicken off it. And um, luckily we were able to use that to our advantage yesterday. And uh, she went out, uh, and I'm not just being a smart-ass in retrospect, Matt, or I actually said this to you immediately uh, pre-race as we watched the race together. She went out luxury odds, didn't she, at $10. I mean, you know, on the strength of, when I say one bad run, it wasn't her fault that it was a bad run. It was, you know, she was three, four, five wide the, the, the journey. She, she, um, a lot of people jumped off her for one reason or another yesterday. 
Yeah, definitely. Look, she, she's obviously a really classy filly, as we, we sort of already know. You know, the fact that you know, when she went down to Sydney, obviously being able to, to run fourth in the Group 2 Furious down there, like there's, you know, just look far superior form to a few of those. You know, she was obviously fantastic first up and, you know, she, she was always going to benefit from that from that run. Obviously, the only, I suppose, little query whether, whether punters thought after a tough run two weeks ago, whether she'd be able to bounce back. But it's one thing about this filly, she, she's just so tough and, and so resilient, and as you can sort of, you know, see in, in those races when she even has to do a bit of work from these outside gates, you know, she's she's still really tough to the line and, you know, can't wait to see her in hopefully a better race where she can actually draw a soft alley and be able to just jump and land there without having to do any earlier work, and you know, I'm sure she'll, she'll only give a better kick then. A few people have asked me the question, how did the association come about with, with Dr Brian Pirtle? Of course, he's a long-time owner and breeder. He bred this filly about out of our sweet moss, which he raced. She was a, an above-average mare, and uh, she's by Spill the Beans. How did the association develop? Yeah, look, it was just um, uh, Dr. Pirtle, obviously, just approached the stable and, and asked if we take on a few of the horses, um, mainly sort of two-year-olds. Uh, originally, all that it, that it was, he was just wanting to, um, you know, spread a few around, wasn't um, you know, planning on taking any, obviously, off off Mick. It was all sort of new ones that he hadn't assigned trainers to. And, and then, yeah, he just approached us about taking taking Enterprise Pom, who um, you know, obviously Mick had done a fantastic job with her in her, her earlier career and you know, she was obviously a well-established filly before joining the stable, so we were you know, more than more than happy to take on a you know, filly with her credentials and um, yeah, been lucky that she'd been able to get a, get a good result for you know, someone who obviously puts a, you know, a lot of money into the industry up here in Queensland, is a heavy supporter, so um, you know, it's always good. He definitely gets everything he deserves, Dr Pirtle, uh, with what he puts into racing. You guys have had a, a wonderful uh, time in the last few months. Terrific strike rate. But, of course, carnival time is the time to really shine, I, I guess, as, as trainers. I, I know there's still a little way to the winter carnival, but it's basically on our doorstep. Can you give our listeners an idea of some of the the arsenal you'll have, um, you know, for the winter carnival, some of the big guns that you're looking forward to getting to, to good races during the winter? Yeah, look, of the, of the sort of more... I guess older horses we've got, um, you know, we've sort of got the likes of, you know, shooting for gold, obviously coming back, even the likes of sort of, you know, the Yakai leases and um, then of the of the even sort of younger stock, you know, with the likes of Stella Magic and and even sort of Stroll, who was was really impressive her first, um, you know, first preparation that she had last prep. Um, you know, they're some of the nicer ones, and you know, I think sort of Bury Hart, we can sort of try and forget that run also in the. Um, in the in the duel there a couple of weeks ago as well, I think he he'll sort of run in it, go to the daybreak lover, and hopefully he can we can really see him bounce back. So they're um you know sort of got some you know, a little bit of ammo there coming into into the carnival without really having a sort of headline horse, but um you know I've got a really nice young stable, and I think hopefully over the next you know sort of season or two, hopefully we can have a bit of a stronger arsenal coming into our carnivals and, and sort of be able to play more of a factor. But this is probably the first season that we'll all coming into our first carnival where we've probably got a, a more broad, broader range of horses that hopefully we can um, yeah, have a little bit of an impact. Just two more points before we let you go. With Enterprise Pom, what are you looking at for her next? Yeah, so she'll, she'll have a little let up now. Obviously, she's a, um, you know, she's a, a filly that we want to sort of try and attack some stakes races for. So we'll sit down and talk to Dr Pirtle today um, and sort of really, really map out a program. But races like the sort of Bright Shadow, mm. maybe Helen Coughlin and, and sort of um, Gay Waterhouse are probably, you know, suitable suitable races for her. Um, but we'll, we'll sort of just have a sit down with him and have a good good chat and, um, yeah, work out a program for her. And uh, probably sweet and sour, but, but Hang 5 went down as a $1.55 favourite yesterday. Uh, it was a messy watch in the straight, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was lucky. I know sort of Jaden's probably copped a little bit of little bit of um, ridicule for the write-off. I don't really agree too much with that. Like, he obviously, the only thing he could have done is pop out three deep from the half mile and the two-year-old having his first start at 1,400. I don't really think that's the was the right thing to do. Unfortunately, they just obviously, you know, when they did slacken off the speed, that he got kept in an awkward position. And, and yeah, I think it was more sort of horses in front of him being quite green, running all over the place, which, you know, meant, meant that he had to race in restricted room and, and probably just his greenness there, um, you know, probably just took in that extra maybe 50 metres or so to get through that gap, whereas if he would have had a clean run through it, it probably, just, you know, changes the results. But, look, he's a horse that's still very raw and, um, you know, with a, he'll, he'll go for a break now and, um, look, he's only going to come back sort of better next time in and a, and a lot more sort of focus, the more racing that he, that he does have. Yeah, I agree with you that he is a work in progress and, and will keep on maturing. Well, that win took you to, what, 43 Metro with us yesterday. You've got to keep Chris Waller off your back. You've got <laughs> yeah. to hold down second. <laughs> That's it. That's going to be the hardest thing, especially coming into Carnival. Yeah, exactly. time where he, he has a lot of ammo up here. But, um, no, look, we'll keep chipping away and, and see, see how we go. Good on you. Always good to talk to you. Congratulations with Enterprise Pong. Yeah, thank you. Matt Hoisted joining us this morning. And, uh, yes, she bounced back and... Very pertinent article that Trent Makers wrote in the Courier Mail about Enterprise Pom. Why we should have forgotten the run the other day that that Matt outlined, uh, I think two days before. So it uh, turned out correctly. Yeah, yeah, a good few days there, man. Trent, he actually did a story on um, with James Innes Jr. He won the Doncaster a couple of years earlier. He said, "Look, I think Delexo coming up here to ride Delexo. I think it'll be winning." And sure enough, it won at five dollars fifty. And Trent made his best of the day, Ruby July, the uh, you know um, Central Queensland horse. Uh, which which uh, Julie won very well at six dollars. I can't find his so. tips in the Courier Mail. You have to look. Uh, well, they're online. There's a new world, David. It's called digital. You'll have to actually. I like the paper. <laughs> you'll have to actually. I like the newspaper. You'll have to actually get online and have a bit of a look. You never know what you might find. Never know. Let's go to race eight. Kizakano was the two dollar twenty favourite, and she had a good run in transit. Heading towards the turn now, 500 left to run. You make me smile. The second up specialist leads into the bend from Tremonona. Kizikano looking for a run. Was going between that pair. May go back to the fence now. Pizzoni making ground. Wider big boy Roy then Rex Boomtown last. And Royal Hale down the centre of the track. Kizikano soon afterwards went up to on the outside. You make me smile. Tremonona battling away. But Kizikano taking a clear lead. Tremonona trying to go with it. Boomtown last running on. Kizikano in control today. Boomtown last flashing. Kizakano in front. Oh, Boomtown last charged. Photo. Boomtown last diving at Kizakano. Tremonto then came at the head of the others. You make me smile. Pizzoni, big boy Royal and a bunch with Royal Hale and Rex last over the line and Boomtown last will get up. Yeah, last stride. In the end, it was a short, short neck when they hit the line and Kizakano had nothing to offer. Uh, she, she had her opportunity yesterday. Yeah, a bit of a... Um... Uh, I don't know what the word is. Uh, ho hum run, wasn't it? I mean, she did run second. It's not as sort of oh. like she got you know well beaten or anything. But the two dollar twenty favourite, I probably thought she'd win. Um, but Boomtown last, the blinkers coming off. I think for the first time in four years, um, and obviously got down to I think fifty three and a half as well. Probably wouldn't know herself with with you, that weight. Yeah, and you don't often see this uh, with, with older horses. Uh, it's very rare for some for for those who do form carefully. Boomtown last has always been. An on pacer, a speed runner, always, always, always. When she won at the Sunshine Coast 
two or three runs ago. I couldn't believe that she came from out the back and, and zoomed home to win, but she did it again yesterday. So she's totally changed her racing pattern from being an on-pacer to a back marker, and it's paying dividends. Well, they say you can't uh, teach an old dog new tricks, but Chris Anderson obviously has. Now, can I give a trainer a spray? Yep. Oh, okay. I suppose so. Well, it's not a serious spray, but what about our man Kelly Schweder? Came and sat in the media box uh, yesterday while, you know, we were working. Uh, he had three runners yesterday. Mm. One at Eagle Farm, one at Kilcoy, and one at the Gold Coast. Mm. He said, what do you think? He said, the one you want to be on... He said, just get on the one at Kilcoy. It'll be, be winning. Don't worry, don't worry about that. He said, that's the one you want to be on. Sure enough, he got beaten a pimple. Tyressa wins at Eagle Farm $16. And uh, subsequently, Kelly tells us he's uh, had a decent bet and thought you've the horse was a very, very good chance. And the one on the Gold Coast wins as well. So... Kelly Schweder, if you're listening, thanks for nothing, brother. All right. Let's move on. One more replay from Eagle Farm. The last race of the day, and uh, speaking of the Chris Wallace stable, they come up trumps here with Bullfinch. Rounding the bend now, 500 left to Rana. Centenary star at cricket score odds led narrowly from General Dubai and Star Virgo. Proviso sweeping up. Near the inside, liability Red Bloom Festival Prince is hunting right along the rail and Bullfinch is getting a Rana. Wider on the track, the Culloden and a Val right down the outside. They are dead set spread right across the track. Where to look here? Star Virgo out wide and General Dubai. Festival Prince is over on the inside. 50 metres to go. Festival Prince and Bullfinch coming through strongly. Bullfinch and Festival Prince in a camera from Liability or General Dubai. Wider was new arrangement from near last. Red Bloom not far away. Then Nicky Spirit Gontades. Then Starler Enterprise Prince and Tenery Star the Culloden. Proviso pulling up quickly with Star Virgo. And Aval made a brief dash but then peaked on the run and has finished towards the tail. And it will be Bullfinch. It certainly was. 6.50 down to 4.60. Getting a split in the straight. Larry Cassidy Driving hard for victory. Festival Prince got right up on the inside, but Bullfinch overpowered him in the last few bounds. General Dubai and liability close up. Yeah, a good win by Bullfinch, uh, former import. I never know where you should say import or former import. I'm not quite sure which one's right. We'll say former import. First win in Australia uh, for Chris Waller. And Noel Greenhout uh, was very happy uh, with Larry Cassidy's row. I thought it was a ripper. So that was a nice little... Uh, win for Chris Waller later in the day. Of course, he had saddled up four in an earlier race and, and <laughs> couldn't win that one. You would have thought one of the Waller runners would win there, but uh, finished. Uh, you can't keep a good man down, finished the day on song. Yeah, exactly. So a double two to Waller with Bullfinch and Edmonton earlier in the day, ridden by Jimmy Orman, who'll be riding rough fire. We've run out of time. We've spoken too long. Yeah, well, we haven't really, but... We have. I'm having a Sunday off. Uh, you'll be with yeah. Nathan X will be next week. I'm actually going down just briefly. Tell us about it next Saturday. Uh, yeah, next Saturday, the Mental Health Day, Men's Mental Health Day down the Gold Coast. It's not a Metropolitan Race Day. Um, the Metropolitan Race Day will be up here, obviously, but very, very important day. They've sold out uh, their events centre there with, I think, eight or 900 people, but there's still, um, you know, some other uh, members' tickets and general admission tickets. It's a great day to support uh, some very worthy mental health charities and also... Just reminding men, especially I'm 46 this year, just to you know get, go and get a prostate you know, check. Just look after your general health because women generally, uh, not as a rule, but women generally are pretty good at looking after their health. Uh, men are hopeless. Yeah, 40, uh, 46. Time flies. I didn't realise Trent Nakers was 40 until I discovered that yesterday. He's 30. Well, 30, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> got, got, the wrong, he's got actually, the wrong figure in front. Sorry, he's actually 50, but anyway. <laughs> 
No, he's not. He's, he's 30. He confirmed that. Hey, uh, and of course, don't forget too, folks, racing tomorrow at Doombin. Unusual, but we didn't race on Wednesday. The track was uh, not right for racing, but it'll be spot on tomorrow. I think it's a soft seven this morning. It's improving all the time. You'll find by tomorrow it'll get back to that soft five, soft, soft six range. And we'll preview that meeting tomorrow after press room. I look forward to your company then. And, Ben, look forward to speaking to you tomorrow as well. Yeah, can't wait, David. Ben Dorries uh, with us here on Past the Post. Thanks for your company. Have a good day. Bye-bye.